Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Let's jump into the word this this uh, today, and I want to ask you to please, if you have a notebook, to to get your pen pen and paper ready. If you don't have a notebook, get your device ready. Draft an email to yourself because I'm going to be asking quite a few questions of you today, and I really want you to write them down. Um, and I'll say a little bit more on that as we as we go through. So the first thing I want to say is that. The last few weeks, sort of since the beginning of the year, we've had Pastor Andreas minister to us a few times. We've had Pastor Frank minister to us, bringing strong messages of consecration and pursuit. Pastor Frank's message towards the beginning of this year was a profound one. And he spoke about the Nazarite vow and, and, and a year or a season or a time of consecration where we are set apart more and more unto the Lord. Um, Pastor Andreas has been really talking to us about the most honorable pursuit, the pursuit of wisdom, knowledge, and of understanding of God, of who he is, and that as we gain those, we become transformed through that knowledge. I don't want to depart from that theme today, um, but really I want to continue speaking into it because what they really speak of and 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 sort of the, the plumb line of everything I'm going to share with you today has to do with the wholehearted pursuit of God's heart. That's really the nutshell uh, of what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be talking about it in the context of next steps. So, you know, I believe if we read the Bible and it talks about wisdom and, and we try to understand wisdom, what is wisdom? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's where it all begins if we want to live life according to the wisdom of God. You know, if I can be very simple um, and, and simplistic in defining wisdom, I would say wisdom is simply being fully devoted to living life God's way. Being fully devoted to living life God's way is wisdom because his ways are just and good and pure and perfect. Um, and so I want to remind you, of a verse of scripture that was read and shared with us many times last year that comes out of the book of Isaiah chapter 60. And I, although we come into a new year, we're well into 2023 now. It's the second last Sunday of January, January already. It's hard to believe it. God doesn't necessarily walk, work according to calendar years. Uh, he works according to seasons. And I believe this is still the season in which God is saying to you and to me, as individuals, as well as collectively, arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And although darkness has covered the earth and deep darkness the people, the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. There, and I, I, want you to, I want to emphasize that for a moment. The glory of the Lord within us desires to be manifest and seen desires to be evident. It's like something is inside of you and it's bubbling up because it wants to be conspicuous. The next verse says, 
The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So there is something about the season we're in, about the journey we're in with God, where our relationship with him becomes conspicuous, where people can see something really different. I remember many years ago, Peter Henston was, uh, when, when he was with us in Cape Town, I had him dress up. He came to church one morning in a tuxedo and wore sunglasses, and he was the, uh, the incognito Christian. Uh, you know, we always look at James Bond and the spy, and, and, and spy infiltrates enemy territory, and, and you don't know who he is or what he's doing, but he's there. And he always looks suave and dapper and debonair. Well, Peter fulfilled all of those requirements that morning. But you see, God has never called us to be undercover Christians. He's never called us to be sort of spies. He's called us to rise and shine. And in essence, what the scripture is saying to you and I is this. There's a desire from God that we live out what we believe in such a way that others can clearly see. That there is a visible, tangible difference. You see, our faith in Christ must have corresponding fruit. Now, it's not all about what we do on the outside. Obviously, this comes from the overflow of what's going on on the inside. You see, the primary pursuit and goal of every Christian in this life is to become more and more like Jesus. Amen? That's the goal of every believer. But you see, folks, this is a process. Some people have experiences and encounters with God which fast-track the process. Other people slowly, steady, gradually grow in their maturity and their Christ-likeness. Others still, like me, need somebody to come along and take them by the ear to expedite the process, all, all of which is for the furtherance of the same end and the same goal, that Christ may become manifest and, and conspicuous in our lives. This is a process, and here is where I want you to start writing down some questions. And the reason I want you to write down these questions is because I want you to consider them, not just today when I'm asking them, but this is really good food for as you go into your quiet times this week and you go and you look at your year ahead and as you plan and as you schedule for your physical, uh, your goals, your financial goals, your, your relational goals, your, your business and your work goals, I want you to focus and to be as deliberate about your spiritual goals and outcomes as you are about all these other areas of your life. And so the first question I want to talk to you or give to you today concerning this journey of Christ likeness, where are you in process? <coughs> Excuse me. Where are you in this process? Can you track yourself? Do you know where you are in terms of your spiritual growth and development? The purpose of this question is to appreciate, number one, to appreciate what it is that Christ has already done in our hearts and lives. You know, we're not who we used to be. Every one of us online today has a testimony and a story of how God has worked in our lives and worked with us and changed us, comforted us, strengthened us, guided us, provided for us. We have a story of how we have changed our thinking and our attitudes, and that is good. And it's good that we appreciate what God has done in us and recognize the fruit of the presence of Jesus. But sometimes we also need to realize that perhaps we've been in the same season for a very, very long time without any kind of fruit or considerable growth. So where are you in your process of spiritual growth and development? And the second question is, 
what is the next step that you that you believe you need to take that God is calling you to take that the Lord is placing emphasis in your heart and in your life what is the next step for you into greater fruitfulness into greater Christ likeness a few months ago I went to a conference uh, in Port Elizabeth in Cape in, in in South Africa and the theme of the conference was church planting there were a number of speakers, one of which was has been prolific. He has planted a number of churches within uh, South Africa, within rural settings within South Africa. And he has um, a wonderful testimony of, of structure and order. He's very apostolic in his way of doing things. His name is Marius, uh, Marius Gradwell. And he was talking about some of the ways when they send out sons, they plant people in an area, they appoint elders, and, and so a church begins to form. And one of the people in the Q&A sessions asked him a question, and the question was, we've heard how you appoint elders. When do you appoint a pastor for, the, for a local church that you've planted? And he said, that's an excellent question. He said, I make it a point never to appoint a pastor until every single member of that local church understands that they are all ministers of the gospel. They are not just looking to a minister of the gospel, that they are all ministers of the gospel. And when they all realize that the burden for ministry lies upon each and every one, they work together with the elders to appoint a pastor for the purpose of equipping them for their works of ministry. He said, without this basic understanding, what ends up happening is people continue to look to a pastor to meet their needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs. They are, you know, you, you can see with this kind of thinking, it can be quickly become a case of pastor will support you in your dreams and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sow towards it. We'll, we're happy for you to do your thing and we'll encourage you as long as it's not too inconvenient or costly for us. And when we have churches and attitudes that look like this, we have things that function more like a country club. I mean, even here online, this could be our weekly encouragement slot. We log in just to be encouraged, but without any real change, without any real um, development that, that relates to our journey of, of, of Christ-likeness being advanced and our fruitfulness and effectiveness in ministry and reaching out being realized. Now, I'm not saying that is the case, but I'm saying there's a thinking here that really I found poignant. Because in church life and even in a setting like this, let me speak into this setting. It is very easy for us to come and, and log in and hear something and be encouraged by it. Maybe go away and do some thinking about it without actually engaging with it to the depth or to the point where we are really being shifted into deeper intimacy with Jesus or into a greater expression of ministry and service to those around us. Speaking on the same thing. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 12 says this, that he himself, being Christ Jesus, gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, this idea of ministry, we mustn't misunderstand this. So often our idea of ministry is full-time ministry. You go and work for the church. Either you're one of the five-fold gifts, you're a pastor or you're an evangelist or something like that, or you're working at the church full-time. That's not what ministry is. Ministry is simply works of service. 
And the wonderful thing about Scripture is we read through the books of Corinthians, through Ephesians, through Romans, so many places, Paul gives us lists of various kinds of giftings. Leadership is a gifting. Generosity is a gifting. Hospitality is a gifting. Works of service is a gifting. Administrations is a gifting, as well as spiritual giftings. There are so many various kinds of giftings. And, and every one of us has been wired and designed uniquely and purposefully by God that we may be workers of ministry, that we may use our gifts and our God-given talents, our attributes, for the purpose of the edification of the body. You know, Stephen, my brother-in-law there, he has a gift to study and dig deep and suck the marrow out of the Word of God like few that I know. And those who log on on a Thursday, I know you're being blessed by his gift. He's got a gift for that. I can't do what he does. But there's power and there's grace in it because that's where God is moving and working in his life. And it's wonderful to see the fruit of it. See, every one of us are here so that you, so that we can be equipped for works of service. What we do here on a Sunday by Sunday has a purpose beyond our own edification. And when we begin to realize that and become serious about that, we can begin evaluating our lives and saying, right, where am I? What am I engaged in? What is it that God has called me to? And what is the next step for me to, to, to get on with that or to move deeper into that? When Pastor Frank ministered to us a few weeks ago, he read a scripture from the book of Hebrews that while I'd read it numerous times before, it popped out at me like, like never before. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, speaking of Jesus, it says, And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus said, Behold, see, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of your book, or of the book. And so here's my question to you today. Here's another one for you to write down. Dearly beloved disciple of Jesus, what is written of you in God's book concerning your life? What is the story that God has written about you? Do you know your story? Do you know what God has called you to, who he has called you to be, what he has called you to do? Maybe you do, or maybe you don't. My question, the next one which you can sort of filter through this one is, what is the title of the next chapter of your journey? Sometimes we don't see the end from the beginning. You know, folks, I want to say to you, I have come to learn and realize that in the body of Christ, God deals uniquely and differently with different people. Many people, I'd say the vast majority, have, when they pursue and they look to the Lord, there is, an idea, there is a vision that God deposits in their hearts that they can pursue. They know that they are called to this or called to that, and they can give themselves to it. And they prepare for that, and there's growth in that. Very often, God will say, this is who, like with um, Prophet Jeremiah, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. Don't despise your youth. I remember with me, it was very different. Somebody once asked me, a pastor, you've heard me tell the story, Michael. You know, where do you see yourself in five years? What's your plan? And I said, I have no idea. I have no plan. He says, you've got to have a you got to know what God's called you to do. What, what are you, where are you going? And I remember agonizing over that question, agonizing over it in prayer for months and months. And eventually 
I came to the place of realizing that I don't know exactly where I'm going. Truth be told, I, I couldn't see the bigger picture and God wasn't revealing it to me. But what I did know in my heart of hearts, deep down with utter certainty, is that, was in, that I was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. God had given me one thing to do in that season, and that was to serve Pastor Andreas. And that is what I was doing. And I just, I got peace from knowing that. I knew what chapter of my book or my story I was in. And that had to be sufficient for me in that time and season. I wouldn't have been able to handle clearly what was lying or what was coming ahead. Paul writes again to the Ephesians, this beautiful, beautiful verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says that we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. And the the in essence, the root meaning of that word workmanship is like saying you are God's poem. And the reason I love that is because a poem is not a legal document. It is not a cold. Or it is not a calculated document. A poem is something that requires structure, thought, and it's emotive. Poetry comes from the heart. It is not just a mental, it's not just facts. It is a deep thing. You and I are God's poem, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you and I could walk in them. Listen to how the Amplified Bible puts it. We are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus. In other words, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. You know, folks, when God sets up good works for you and he sets up a course for your life and for my life, he has far more in mind than just our life here on earth. He has in mind the impact that our lives will have, not just for us, but for all those we influence, all those we come into contact with, both now during this life and into eternity. The fruit of your life is designed to echo into eternity. God has rewards set up for you and for me that he desires to bless us with when we come into eternity. And he sets up the works for us to engage in that are associated with those rewards. I mean, God is just thinking of your blessing and my blessing from beginning to end. Now, as I've said, perhaps you're a bit like me. Maybe you don't know what you're meant to be doing in this time or that season of your life like I, like I didn't. Maybe you're a bit like me in that you do know what you're called to be doing and you've been doing it for some time. Maybe this has been a long season of being faithful in what you believe God has called you to do. And here's some more questions for you. Write them down. First question is this. Is this it? Is this it? Is your experience of God, the expression of your gift, the revelation that you have, the grace and the anointing you experience, is this it? Is this all that God has intended for you? Are you satisfied? That's another good question. Are you satisfied deep down in your heart with the level of revelation you've got, with the level of experience that you have of the promises of God? 
And perhaps here's an even more poignant question. When you read the word of God and you spend time with him, do you believe God is satisfied? Or does he desire a greater measure of fruitfulness from your life? If you believe that there is more that God has in mind for you, then my dear brother and sister, I the one question we need to answer so that we can give ourselves to the process is what is the next step for you in your spiritual development? And your next step might be in conjunction and together with your spouse. Your next step might be separate or different from your spouse, from those closest to you. It's not about comparisons here. Perhaps you've yet to discover that good work that God has prepared for you. Then let the pursuit of that discovery become the next step in your journey of spiritual development. That is the most key, the most important thing for us so that we can be clear and focused. You know, I was reminded last week when Paul writes in the Bible, he says, you know, when I fight in, in terms of the fight, I don't punch as someone punching the air. No, I've got a target. I'm purposeful. I know what I'm going for. There's a journey and a growth of spiritual development and of my faith that needs to take place. So how do we measure where we are at? You know, I'm saying to you, I'm asking the question, where are you at in your journey? How do I know? Well, maybe a good way to position yourself is through another two questions. Number one, by asking yourself, what is it that you want from God? My dear brother and sister, what is it that you want from God? Where are you at? What are you wanting? What is your heart crying out for? Both the things you want for yourself as well as the things you may want from God for your loved ones. What is it that you want from God? Because sometimes to lay hold of the things, that's not true. Always to lay hold of the things that God wants, that we want from God, it comes with a price. It comes at a cost. And every step of growth and development we take in our spiritual journey requires something more from us. As I became a married man, I had to grow up, and that meant I had to be less selfish. To be a good husband means I have to give up more and more of myself. And then I became a father, and I had to give up more of myself, more of what I wanted, more of what I would prefer. Then I had a second daughter. I have to give up more. As we grow older, maybe one day we'll have to look after and consider parents. have to give up more of yourself. The higher you go in terms of your level of responsibility within your workplace or within your business, it will cost you more and more of yourself. So the question here is, what do I want from God? Because that will help you to determine the answer to the very next question. Another way that we measure the progress of our faith is by asking, what is it that God wants from me? You see, when we discover what God wants from us, it's amazing that when we begin to answer, then walk, answer that question and walk in the answer to that question, that question or the answer to that question seems to answer all the other questions that we ask about the things that we want from God. It's amazing that so often when we discover what it is that God wants from us, we become so satisfied within our hearts that all the stuff we want from God either just dissipates like mist in the sunshine, or we find a level of fulfillment in, be, in, in, in knowing that our pursuit is bringing pleasure to God, that we are fulfilled and content with and without those things. 
I believe that there is a grace that has been released over our spiritual family, both locally and internationally in this very area. This shouldn't be a journey of toil. This is not about sweat. This is not necessarily about, you know, gritting your teeth and getting on with it. What I'm talking to you about today is a heart's response to God's presence and the unction of his Holy Spirit concerning your relationship with him and what the expression of that relationship looks like in your everyday life. Look with me, if you wouldn't mind, at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. You have your Bibles if you have a device. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so obviously if you have a, a device, you can, you can read that for yourself. But I'll read it quickly and then I'll break it down. It says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is working in you, to giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. My dearly beloved brethren, I want you to realize today that whether you are aware of it or not, God is busy working in you. He knows your struggles. He knows your dreams. He knows your anxieties. He knows your aspirations. And he is working in you. Because as much as he know your, knows your struggles and your dreams, he knows his plan for you. And he knows his strength within you. God is working in you. And he is giving you both desire and power to do what pleases him. You know, the, the, the heart's cry of every genuine believer is that we may live a life that fully pleases the Lord. Now, if I'm honest with you, I, I have to confess that I have vacillated in that desire in my life. Many times my pursuit has been to please myself, to do what is pleasing and comforting to my flesh. And we need to understand this whole idea of, of pleasing God rightly. Um, you know, we need to understand that, first of all, the only thing that can please God truly is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that our works are like filthy rags to God, our good works, the best that we have to bring. The only thing that pleases God is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and it is that life that pleases God. So in essence, there is a way that we need to understand that because of Jesus, because of our faith in him and the transformation that has taken place, when God looks at you as a son or a daughter, he is pleased with you. But let's just be honest and, and not just talk about spiritual fluff that God is always happy with me. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that there are thoughts we think and actions we do that do not please God. We know that God is, while he is pleased that we are his children, he is not always pleased with our behavior. The struggle that you and I have is that we do not live perpetually from this position of, of being aware of God's pleasure and living to fulfill and to, 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 um, The word escapes me. To fulfill, to bring to fruition his, 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 his delight and his pleasure in us. You and I still give in to a self-centeredness. We still give in to our flesh from time to time. 
And while you and I are positioned and empowered to live lives that please God, we often get caught up of living, in, in living for ourselves. You see, I can't truly give myself to God and to pleasing God while I'm still trying to please myself at the same time. There's a paradox there. There's a contradiction and the two are incongruent. But there's a few verses about this that are helpful. And at least I find them helpful. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 and 10. Uh, sorry, verse 9 from the Amplified Bible says, Therefore, whether we are at home on earth or away from home and with him, it is our constant ambition to be pleasing to him. In other words, the pursuit of my life, my constant ambition is to live a life that brings pleasure to the heart of God. In praying for the church in Colossae, uh, Paul writes in Colossians 1, 9 to 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. See, here we have this again. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding are all in this verse. But notice of what it is. Knowledge of his will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And this is the journey that every one of us is on. And this is the journey we have committed our lives to and are given to. And yet, this is also the journey that we so often lose sight of. And we so often lose the context of in just the busyness of life and the various plans and pursuits that assail us and that we go after. My friends, it is this kind of growth, growth in the knowledge of the will of God, as well as in spiritual wisdom and understanding, that enables us to walk out and live and exercise the gifts that God has given us as ministers of His grace and His presence. It is this kind of growth that my heart is seeking after, both for myself as well as for every member of our spiritual family. It is a journey of steps. It is a journey of stages. It does not and can't happen overnight. But what is that next step for you? What is the next part of the journey look like? Where are you now? And how long have you been there? And are you transitioning or are you camping? Are you Have you overstayed your welcome? I believe this is a season for next steps. And when we are deliberate about it, what we begin to do is we become not, not just strategic, but we become purposeful about our spiritual development. So often in our Christian walk, we have this fatalistic thing that God will cause things to happen. God will cause things to grow. Folks, our spiritual development is our responsibility. And so that's why I'm asking you these questions. What is your next step? Um, many of you may know that I enjoy watching soccer. I'm an Arsenal supporter. We bought a new striker at the beginning of the season. His name is Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Jesus is spelled Jesus. We've got Jesus on our team. That's why we're currently top of the Premier League at the moment. Uh, anyway, our striker is injured at the moment. He's clearly not the real Jesus. Um, and his... his uh, his personal trainer wrote a Instagram post concerning him that it just really spoke to me because it spoke about this journey. It spoke into what I'm sharing with you today. And this is what he said. First week, this is after his surgery. First week, 
a big journey awaits. My fo folks, there's a big journey ahead of us. Let me get on to what he says first. Sorry. Tough, difficult, and uncomfortable, you bet it is. Transformative, you bet it will be. Feeding your heart with the vision of the future, living in the present, and celebrating short-term achievements is key. Goals set and goals achieved. And so it will be week by week, always doing a little more. Let's go. We're getting closer to Jesus official and a little heart emoji. You know, I, I know that that's not Bible, but that is really good and encouraging stuff. And it is as applicable to recovery, to restoration, to growth and development, to peak fitness uh, physically as it is to spiritually. What is that next step? What is the next part of your journey? Have you got a goal in mind? What is it that you are going after? Week by week, little by little, can you measure your growth? Do you know the, you know, if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, how will you know if you get there? The question is, and these are the questions just in a nutshell again, what is written about you in God's book concerning your life? Do you know the stage you're on and what the next step needs to be for you? You're not going to fulfill the, the whole thing in one step, but what is the next step? And perhaps discovering that needs to be your next step. You know, once you know what the next step is, you can give yourself to developing the habits you will need to get there because it's going to take habits, discipline, consistency, and sacrifice. Sure. But these questions are the questions that are rolling around in my heart and they're questions I want to present to you because I believe in answering them, we can be deliberate about our spiritual development, be, be, be honest about where we are at and know and give ourselves to areas that need work, growth, development, that the fruitfulness and the likeness of Jesus Christ may grow in us and become effectual through us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.